Hey Dad Gamers, you're listening to the Dad Gamers Podcast. I'm your host, Bob Rayhart, also known as Flank on Xbox Live and PlayStation. So if you want to follow me there, it's Flank, F-L-A-N-K-K-E, on Xbox Live. That's where I'm, I am most of the time, is on Xbox Live. Now, just to start off, this podcast was created from an Xbox Live club, the Dad Gamers Club on Xbox Live. The club was created approximately five or six years ago when Xbox first started doing their clubs. I am the administrator of the club, so I've decided to go ahead and turn this into a podcast. To give a, it's easier to give a little bit more information to you dads out there while you're just listening in your car or maybe you're at work or if you don't have time to be in front of the Xbox all the time. At least I can give you a couple tips. Uh, a father myself, a little info about me, a father myself to four kids. Uh, Two of which you may already know. They are the Rayhart Twins on YouTube. Uh, They (laughs) play games and people watch. So clearly, we have had video gaming in our lives for a very long time. Uh, I started gaming way back on the Atari 2600. uh, Moved in even on to the Commodore 64, for those of you that can remember that system. Then went to Nintendo, Super Nintendo, and right up the line, Sega Genesis, uh, even the Atari Jaguar, and TurboGrafx-16, for those of you who can remember that. But for the first episode, the first thing I'd like to talk about when it comes to being a father and growing up with gamers, and being a gamer yourself, it was always the parental controls. The parental controls when it comes to a console or a PC or anything like that, as a, as a parent, you kind of... You can be the type that worries about it and like, oh, well, what's my kid playing that I'm not there to, you know, always be watching or anything or is it too violent or is it too uh, overly sexual or anything like that. But there is parental controls built into every single console. You just kind of have to dig for it. Uh, I'm not going to give you a breakdown of every console and how to turn on their parental controls. I think that's kind of a little ridiculous. I think you can figure it out Uh, if you are curious, though. And just want to see, like, you don't have the console yet or you're unsure exactly how to start start digging into the console. Uh, I will post a link to PC Magazine's parental controls. They have a whole breakdown with videos and everything included. I'll post a link in the descriptions or in the description of this podcast so that you can go there and you can find it and get a step-by-step, play-by-play of exactly how parental controls will work in your console. Uh, They do not have the new consoles, just FYI. They don't have the new PS5 or the new uh, Xbox Series X yet. But I'm sure PC Magazine or somebody, if you needed to find it, it is available and it is out there to find. But what I'd like to jump in as the first episode here is I would like to talk about Microsoft Points. Do you remember Microsoft Points? So for those of you that remember, Microsoft Points, or those that don't remember, I should say, Microsoft Points are a point system that Microsoft created way back when they were coming out with Zune, which was their answer to an iPod. Uh, Microsoft points were started in November of 2005. Yeah, 15 plus years ago. November of 2005 is when Microsoft points started. The problem with Microsoft points was it was, it was 400 points equaled $5. So 
the ratio was off. So it was four, 400 points is $5. 800 points was $10. So 1,600 points got you $20. And, and f- like 4,000 points was $50 or whatever it was. So with that, it kind of left things, I want to say weird or awkward. Because if you had a Zune, for whatever reason, if you had a Zune and you wanted to buy a song for it, it would cost you 79 points or... 99 points or 99 cents is the is the equivalent but 79 points and you couldn't just buy 79 points from microsoft or you couldn't just buy you know uh, whatever range of points you needed to get the digital product you wanted you had to buy them in blocks so if you only wanted like one song for whatever reason you had to buy five dollars worth and so you would then use the 79 points and then have all you know an extra 320 points left over to for what like are you gonna buy another one but essentially you have four dollars and one cent on a microsoft uh, account so that was probably the the worst hiccup that microsoft had and the reason why microsoft actually came out and they said the reason why they did it that way is they wanted to have less transactions between uh like for purchases like they wanted to have like less credit card transactions so if they did it in blocks it wasn't a bunch of people buying 99 cent downloads it would be you know they would buy that block then they wouldn't have to do it again four more times so I, I get the idea i get the the uh, the point behind why they did it i think though at the time with apple doing like the ipod and doing the 99 cent thing it made it difficult for microsoft to grab a hold of anybody that wasn't willing to shell out five dollars every time you know what i'm saying like they weren't willing to like they would have to be willing to i should say shell out five dollars every time and then have and then have this ongoing account with microsoft and it I, again i think they would have probably been better off just to go with right with the money right out the right out the gate stay with the the money transactions versus the point system but a little history the point system started in november of 2005 and by E3 of 2013, Microsoft decided to call out and say, hey, we're going to end the point system. The point system is going to be over. So by August of 2013, Microsoft had officially ended with an update that came out through Xbox. Uh, they had officially ended the point system of Microsoft and went straight into, like if you had points already sitting in there, you didn't lose them. You got the money for it, the equivalent of. Um, the only problem that I, I actually personally, I loved having the Microsoft point system for one reason, particularly when, when the, my twin sons were growing up, it was much easier. Uh, and Microsoft had this built into the Xbox 360 console that as the, the twins were growing up, they would do chores around the house and I would pay them in Microsoft points. Because it was much easier to hand them like 400 points or 800 points at the end of the week or whatever for the chores that they were they were young and the chores that they were doing. And they would be able to then at that point be able to pick which games they could download or which games they wanted to download and, and things like that. So they it gave them a sense of of being able to work for something, earn the, the money or points for it, and then be able to spend it and, and decide on what they wanted, the, what they earned, and not me just handing them like, oh, let me give you this download. Let me just send you this download. Let me do this. It was just real quick, boom. I, w- I even had the ability, 
I even had the ability to do it from my phone, which was great. Microsoft actually had a, a, a small app program on the phone that you, I could just credit, boom, credit, points, give points, give points. So the point system was great as a parent with young gamer kids because I was able to utilize it as a reward system or an allowance system for them over the years. So from 2005 uh, all the way, it was actually probably the point system for them. Yeah, it was probably 2005, 2006, we started doing the point system and then all the way up until it stopped. Um, wow, probably wasn't, we probably stopped the, we probably stopped before the point system went away. If I remember correctly, I think we stopped doing the point system in 2010. So it was like, like a five year spot. And I was, after that, it was just, they were, they weren't even interested in doing chores. They just wanted to play games. <laughs> um, but as a parent, it's something, it was a, it was a cool factor. It was a cool feature that Microsoft had implemented into their system. Not a lot of, I don't, I don't think a lot of people utilized it or a lot of people didn't even know about it, but I do think that it would have been great for something to Microsoft for it to push and show and like having like at least in a commercial or an ad that showed parents, Hey, you could reward your kid with Microsoft points. You know, that might've been a better leverage for them than what, than the route that they took with the point system. But who am I? I'm not, I don't work for Microsoft. So what do I know? Uh, also, so I also dug in because the big question that always comes down would be how long do you let your kids play games for? Well, some people are like, screw it. If they're quiet. They're, you know, they're in the back seat. They're on the Nintendo Switch and they're, they're quiet. And I don't want to hear their mouth. They can play it until dinner time or, you know, well, the American Academy of Pediatrics came out with an actual number of what would be the ideal for a child to play. Now, American Academy of Pediatrics is not the end-all be-all when it comes to how you parent your kids. And I'm not trying to say this is what you need to do. I'm, not, I'm just giving you the information and you can take it from there. So the way that they believe it is, is they think it should be 30 to 60 minutes any day that they have to go to school. This will allow them to play, you know, at least a little bit and then not get so wrapped up and not get so engulfed in what they're doing that they'll still be able to focus on their schoolwork. Now, as a gamer myself, and I'm sure for you dad gamers out there know, 30 to 60 minutes will go by in the blink of an eye. Like, I <laughs> I couldn't, I don't even think I've even ever decided what game to play that it didn't take me 30 minutes to figure it out and find out which one I was doing, you know? Much less if the system had an update. Imagine if you gave your kid, like, okay, you have an hour to play, and then they got in, they turned the system on, and the system had an update, you know? And if you had set a, a game timer on there, or if you set a, a restriction timer of how long the system would be on to play and then had an update, the kid's kind of screwed. <laughs> um Anyways, American, again, American Academy of Pediatrics recommends 30 to 60 minutes a day on school days. Now, on non-school days, the weekends, so like Friday night, I guess, Saturday night, maybe Sunday, I don't know, uh, they didn't specify, they said two hours or less, and again, it, it, every parent can do their own thing. I'm just, I just give you the information and you can decide if you want your kids to play a lot longer or a lot less. When it came to me and my sons, it was, we were gamer family right out the gate. Okay. Like the, the twins were born with controllers in hand. Like they were already 
already ready to go. Like, exactly. They weren't even old enough to play. I already bought them controllers, like Nintendo 64 controllers. And they they played... I let them play forever. I, I, I didn't have any restrictions as far as time-wise went on what they could play. The only restriction as a father that I put on them all the way up until they were probably 12, 10, 12, maybe even 13, was I wouldn't let them play at least... To my knowledge, I'll be honest with you. I know my kids, and I know they played anyways, but <laughs> I never let them played play the MA rated games. Anything that was rated MA at the time. Now, the MA games now are way worse than they were way back in 2010. Like some of the games that I see, I'm like, this is this is just rated M. Like this is rated M or M. Excuse me, rated M. I think. Rated mature for mature audiences. Uh, this is kind of over the top in some cases. But back then, the rated M games, my kids knew that they weren't allowed to play. At least they weren't allowed to play at my house. And I would let them play the T-rated games, and they could play the E-rated games. Or even, and this was a short-lived thing with Nintendo big time, was the KA, which is kids to adults rating. Now, the one thing, since we're talking about ratings, the one thing I... I never saw, and I know they make them in Europe, but I never saw them myself. I only got my hands on maybe one, uh, and I'll tell you what that is. The adult-only rated games. Yeah, there is a there is a step above the M rating where it is the AO rating, which is adult-only, which is supposed to be strictly 18 and above. Now, the only game in the U.S. to ever really capture that rating was Grand Theft Auto San Andreas. Not the Grand Theft Auto San Andreas that you can go buy right now. The Grand Theft Auto San Andreas that was from the launch of Rockstar's like first day. Like the launch, if you bought Grand Theft Auto San Andreas at launch, there was hidden in, everybody remembers this. I'm sure you dad gamers out there remember, there was hidden inside, you could use the Game Shark code and a Game Shark system to get into the game. And play the hot coffee date where your character would essentially have sex with their date. The And it wasn't like regular Grand Theft Auto where it was like the car would shake. This was like a push button sequence. It was kind of bizarre. Uh, and it was a big controversy. It was all over the news. How they needed a better system to rating. And it was chaos. But the that was the only game that actually had originally launched with an M rating and then GameStop and at the time EB Games went through and had to put AO stickers onto the games. I know because my copy actually had one of the stickers over overlapped the M or overlapped the M rating. So that's how I come I dug into it and found out about it. So as it stands right now that's the only game that I know of that was available for a short time in the U.S. before they patched it. Then they patched it, so you couldn't do it. But for a short time in the U.S., the only AO-rated game was Grand Theft Auto San Andreas. Um, since then, uh, and again, just as a little side history here, I am a game collector. I have still those old Nintendo systems. I have the Virtual Boy system. I don't ever sell anything or trade anything in. I have kept all of it. The <laughs> which is great because it's it's a it's a great nostalgia to go back to, uh, especially if you're like when I introduced gaming to like someone, 
um, them like, hey, check this out. Check I have this. Try this. Try this. You know, and and they get hooked. But it's great to go back and see. And so as a collector, as a collector, I know I'm kind of rambling here, but as a collector, I would find games that were either going to be pulled from the shelf or that were con- really controversial, and I would try to get my hands on those. Now, in the next episode that comes out, we'll, I'll give you the clue on what controversial games those were and <laughs> how difficult it was to find them and why they were controversial. Uh, so make sure that you definitely tune in next time. But let's uh, let's keep going about this. The Microsoft Points, uh, let's see. Oh, yeah. Microsoft Points ended in August of 2013. I think I said that. But they basically were, they were catching too much flack be- from the blocks, from being having to purchase a 400-point block or a 1,600-point card. And, you know, and, and they were selling them at 7-Eleven, which is also great. No big deal. You could run down and pick one up. But I think if Microsoft had done both, their point system would have been easier to phase out or adjust accordingly. And they probably would have been able to, you know, make it, make different things, make different deals and make different, you know, and then capture more money. But they kind of just cut it short. You know, there was an update, boom, and... That was the end of that. Microsoft Points no longer existed. Now, to this day, there is still Microsoft Points. Okay? Now, I know I've been saying all talking about purchasing Microsoft Points, but for those of you that may know already, Microsoft does have a reward system called Microsoft Rewards. And those have Microsoft Points. Now, those Microsoft Points are not purchase points, though. Those are points that you earn by doing different things in with Microsoft. Now, as great as those are, it seems to me that as of recently, and I want to say it's probably over the past year, year and a half or so, that they have changed what their earnings are. So, for example, I used to do so many things with Microsoft and Xbox that I would actually earn enough points in any, in a given year to where I could use the points to purchase a year's worth of Xbox Live. Now, they have it set up to where it's an astronomical amount of points to purchase six months. So, I know they've recently, or I say recently, but I know over the last couple of years they've adjusted that to make it fit better, I guess, so that they're not in a total loss for people that are just grinding away at getting Microsoft points and they're losing money because... I, I couldn't tell you when that was when it when that was available. I couldn't tell you the last time I paid for a Microsoft per, uh, subscription because I was just able to get the points and turn them around and 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 get a full year subscription or get a full year and a half or or whatever. You know, Microsoft allows you for those of you who don't know, Microsoft allows you to actually put three years worth ahead on the system, so you can go up to three. You could buy three years worth and put that ahead on the system now. Which, you know, in the recent news with Microsoft changing their, for like a, what was it, a day, day and a half, they changed the point or they changed the the cost of Xbox Live until everybody was all like, whoa, uh, you better put that back or we're all going to jump ship on it. And I think Microsoft backpedaled, Xbox backpedaled really quick. To say, oh, you're right, you're right, you're right, we're sorry, we're sorry, we're sorry. You know, they're about to charge double the price. So, 
they're they're always Microsoft's always going to be constantly looking for ways to to do better in their Xbox and their Microsoft rewards and things like that. Now, I am not on at right as of right now, I should say. I'm not on PlayStation. So I know I've been talking a lot about Xbox and a lot about Microsoft, but for this episode, but I'm not on PlayStation at this time, so I don't have a lot of info. In our next episode, I'll dive more into it to give you uh, behind the scenes on, or I say behind the scenes, but I, to give you info on how PlayStation does their reward system. So going back real quick to which system has the best parental controls? Well, technically, the safest system, depending on the age of your, let's be honest, depending on the age of your kids or a kid, it, whatever, if you're, if your kids are young, like say they're under probably like 10 years old, they're, they're going to be playing the Nintendo Switch, okay? And that's going to be the safest bet when it comes to people online, uh, people they're playing against. Certain games are not going to have to worry about them being over the top or too graphic or anything. And Nintendo has really, really done well at keeping it very family-friendly. So if you're looking for a family-friendly console only or you're worried about the games your kids will be playing if you haven't bought them a console yet... Nintendo Switch is always going to be the safe bet. And the Nintendo Switch has parental controls as well. Now, older kids are going to always going to be wanting the PlayStation 5, the Xbox Series X, or, or you know one of the newer consoles so that they can play Call of Duty, Fortnite, all these other games, which are going to be, again, a little bit more violent, a little bit more crazy, but it's up to you. And those have parental controls as well that you can go in and adjust. Me, I never bothered to adjust the parental controls. I never, honestly, I never really locked anything out, I don't think. Maybe purchases. I think I locked out purchases. I think it was the only thing I I, I kind of left that. Uh, once the Microsoft points went away, I kind of left, okay, if they're going to be using credit cards, I need to make sure that <laughs> twins aren't buying every single game in the marketplace. Um, but they were good about it, so I didn't ever have to really lock much out. Uh, but again, if as a parent, if you're looking for a safe console for your children, it's going to be the Nintendo Switch. That's going to be the safest one if you're worried about content. Um, I do know right now, though, it is difficult to purchase a console, to find one online. Uh, it seems to be like a, a run on them, or I don't know what it is, but Nintendo Switches, PS5s, Xbox Series X. Uh, you can't, getting your hands on one has become more and more difficult. And again, as, these consoles are just now rolling out. So they're going to become everywhere more and more often. But as it stands right now, I get that it's hard to find yourself a console at all, much less the one that you want for your kid, you know. As a parent, I wasn't so much worried about the twins or any of my kids really playing online against other people, mainly because I, as long as they weren't repeating or or acting out online as well like the same in the same manner um that i was i was fine with i was fine with them playing all the time i was fine with them playing online uh and again it was very much it was very good to have them play online and be and become gamers and want to be gaming all the time and want to be on their you know moving on as they got older going moving to pc and wanting to play on their pc it was as a as a father it was even when they got to be teenagers it was much easier to to not have to worry. Does that make sense? Like, it does to not have to, concern, like, again, 
they turned into wanting to be on the computer all the time. They'd rather be on their computer than going to hang out with friends, which is which is great because as a parent, like I always knew where they were always home. I always knew where they were. They're always in their room. They're always online. And since all their other friends were online too, it wasn't like they weren't socializing. It wasn't they weren't out, you know, talking with their buddies or talking with their friends. They were still doing that just virtually online. Now, that as a parent was great because then I didn't have to worry about them being out doing something or something happening or getting that phone call or them not coming home late or curfews or anything like that. If I ever wanted to know, if I ever wanted to know where they were, I would literally, all I have to do was log on and it would just tell me and show me right where they were, what they were doing and everything. So as a parent, like I said, don't stress about so much about how long your kids play online. If you're comfortable with it, um, just be, just watch their, make sure that it doesn't change them. You don't want your kids, and I'm not telling you how to raise them, but you don't want your kids to become overly obsessed with gaming to where the point where you can't get them to do anything else but that. You know, you do have to kind of kind of steer it away like, oh, it's bath time, and they throw like a huge fit. Like, you know, screw that. You need to make sure that doesn't happen. Because when the twins did get, you know, the twins rule was they couldn't get in trouble. If they got in trouble at school or if or not that they did, but if they did, or they had gotten a lower grade, if their grades dropped, the consoles went away. You know, boom, you're not playing them. You're not you're not doing that. You're not not even touching it. Sorry, get your grades back up. And I remember there was a situation where the new Call of Duty game was coming out, and my son had gotten a low grade on a test the week before, so his grade dropped. And his grade was like, it was always the, the rule was if it was below a C, if your grades were below a C, you couldn't play. Uh, so he had ended up in like, with a, like I think it was a D. And he went to his teacher <laughs> after class and he was like, I can't not, I got to have at least a C. Is there anything I can do? Bonus, extra. I think it was like, for, he said it was for Spanish. Uh, I'll actually bring him on the show and ask him um, about this on another episode, but I think it was Spanish, and he said, oh, the teacher was like, oh, yeah, I could, you could totally do extra credit, and made, I guess made Robert write something, or made him made him do something to where he got extra credit and got his grade up just in time for, like, the launch of, like, Call of Duty or Halo or some new game. So, it <laughs> surprisingly enough, taking the consoles away for having poor performance in school actually encouraged him to want to do more for school and it kind of forced him to learn more uh in order to be able to play video games so that's my thoughts on microsoft points uh gaming time and parental controls for consoles uh this has been bob rayhart that's again flank on xbox live for the dad gamers podcast yeah thanks for listening dads Thank you.